Well, here we are again. Welcome back to This Week at Windsor. We are smashing it this year. We're doing our best. I don't think we've missed a week, have we? We have, but... Well, it feels good. It does. Arlington, how are you? I am good. I am good. How are you, Dr. J? Doing well, doing well. Yep, recovered from, uh, yeah, end of the football season. And so, very, yeah. My wife says, I now get you back on Mondays. I said, okay. Great. The the game of hand egg is over for another year. Yep, it's done. But yeah, no. So just uh, excited about excited about what God's doing here in this place. Excited about our special guest today, Felicity Marlowe, principal at Norwest. Oh, um, spoiler alert! Oh, sorry, was I not supposed to say that? <laughs> but one re- really cool thing happened to me this week. I got to go visit someone who's fairly new to our church, and I heard their whole history of how they how their family arrived in Australia, and um, this person shared how how one of their relatives or great greats whatever showed up from scotland mother died giving birth to the eighth kid uh father took her to the hospital they're living out in regional regional australia father left the 11 year old and the six younger siblings for months wow only survived by getting fish out of a stream nearby and keeping the chooks alive so they could get eggs living in a living in like a four wall shed and i looked at my 11 year old and i said buddy if you can't remember your hat come on mate <laughs> step it up let's go <laughs> no i was more just marveling at like just the the difficulty that a lot of people face in coming across the world particularly in those days but it made me wonder about you arden do you have a story of how your ancestors arrived in australia this fairland yeah so they came on the i don't think it was the first english fleet but certainly one of the early english convict fleets okay they came over um settled in pit town Oh. And had land in Pitt Town since the 1800s, over it was. Wow. Yeah. Nearby. Yep. There you go. Yeah. They owned the, uh, there was a blacksmith shop out there for many years. You can still see the shed on the way to Pitt Town. It's kind of falling over these days, but there's still remnants of the, the old blacksmith shop there. Next week at Windsor on location. Yeah. From Arden's. Yep. 200 years in Pitt Town. Wow. What's happening in church life? Uh, what's happening in church life? Well, we got a members meeting coming up on the 25th of February. Uh, not many big business items planned. Uh, I think the main thing we're just doing is welcoming people into new people into membership, which is really exciting. You get a chance to say, hey, this is family, what we're about. I would actually love to change the terminology if we could. Like We call it like a family meeting. Uh, to me, I think that's more the identity of what a church is meant to be. It's meant to be family. It's not meant to be business, corporate, you know, that sort of thing. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, well, those, that's the efficient way to get business done. Um, you know, but uh, I'm excited because we just get to celebrate and say, hey, these are some great, lovely people who know the Lord. They want to be a part of this community and we can celebrate that together. Uh, you'll be glad to know. I don't think it's going to be a long meeting. So uh, <laughs> you always say. <laughs> I tell, what is what I always say? I do say that. I'm, I'm a, uh, someone told me once, Jonathan, you're a time optimist. And actually, <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> not Arden is nodding his head vigorously. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm a time optimist by nature, but I will say I do believe this will be a bit on the shorter side, just because after we welcome in new members, get a bit of an update on you know the various uh, reports. I think I think that's about it. Yeah. Other than that, we're kick well, we kicked off youth ministry last week. Our Sunday school ministry is going. That's WDBC Kids. You would have heard Judy talk about that on the previous episode. Um, we got Easter around the corner, you know, uh, hymns are us just before that. So March is kind of a big month for our church. Um, 
I will say this, if anyone's listening to this and is interested in volunteering at WDBC, there's a Creating Safe Spaces workshop coming up. Um, I think it's on the 9th of March. That's for uh, child protection, church safety, all those sorts of things. That's become a requirement really for every volunteer now, uh, essentially. So if you don't have that uh, tick next to your name, uh, please do come out. We're actually hosting it at WDBC. So it's the most convenient it's ever going to get for you. Uh, coming out the 9th of March, get that get that settled. Um, and then, yeah, Hymns Are Us on the 23rd of March. Then we have Stations of the Cross. Then we have a Good Friday and Easter and away we go. Bam. All right, well, enough of the boring announcements. Let's get to the exciting stuff. Another heavy hitter. We get the big guests in. That's our producer, man, I tell you. She's unreal. She's a powerful woman. Yeah. All right, speaking of powerful women, Felicity Marlowe, Principal of Norwest Christian College. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Do they Have we had bigger guests? You know, that's not fair to really rank them. <laughs> I noticed that you put me on the spot like that. But I will say, uh, Felicity, I'm I'm so thrilled that you can be here. Really excited to get to hear a bit about your story. Um, I should admit my bias up front, which is all four of my children attend your school. So, well, one of mine. One yeah. of yours. Two have since moved on. Okay. <laughs> still wait, the right waiting for them to, to leave home still. <laughs> <laughs> moved on as in yeah. as in they transferred out or went went to uni oh, but they haven't left home okay. yet i'm right, still right, praying all right you know <laughs> praying for that day when they move out but not yet no i just it's important to get the bias on the table on the table in advance but i might uh we'll, we'll i'll just might share a little brief story mm-hmm. if that's okay and then we'll we'll lead in so we moved out here in 2015 and we were moving from burke and we jumped online and we're like okay Church is in Windsor. We're probably going to live in Bly Park. It's right across the street. Okay. Uh, what school are we going to go to? Let's try to put them in a Christian school. And we jumped online and, and we like, okay. And we pulled up Norwest and we're like, mm, nah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> and and then we we uh, anyway by God's providence we ended up not getting a place in Bly Park where we looked we looked for four houses there uh, we were on our way out of town Joanna had wisely scheduled another visit in Riverston we checked out Riverston we got this house we're like this is great and then we thought you know what Norwest is like less than a kilometer away let's just go and let's just check it out. And oh my goodness, did we fall in love. And it was fantastic. And we've absolutely been thrilled ever since. So yeah, it's good to good to get a second look and thank, thank God that we got a second look. Um, but that's just a lead in to, to, uh, to, yeah, to your role, Felicity. You are your principal. Um, tell us a bit about your journey with Norwest and, and your history there and what you're doing now. Well, my journey with Norwest actually starts with being a parent there. So there you go. Um, no, actually, it starts before that. So the year is... I think 1996 and I was doing my final year at university and I had to choose a place to do my prac teaching and I was living I was already married and living in a garage on McCulloch Street it was a converted garage don't worry there were (laughs) all the right facilities and so I was living there and chose to do my um, prac placement at Coverdale it was known as Coverdale Christian School at that point in time And um, so I did my final prac placement, got a high distinction for that final prac placement. I think it must have been the school, Mm. you know. That was kind of the – there was a a stop there, a pause in my involvement with Norwest and I went on to get a job at um, William Carey Christian School. Two and a half years later, I was pregnant with my first child. Uh, Ten years later, I had four children. (laughs) Six years later, sorry, four children and, Mm. you know, working casually across the system and then – I got approached from by Norwest, by Ian, who was the principal at the time, to come and do some part-time work mm. as a primary music teacher. So I was doing like two and a half days in 
primary music for a little while. And the school was only, um, uh, I'd say, 400 students, 500 okay, students okay. at that time. So it was a really small role. Over four or five years, that role grew to a couple of a couple more days. And by that time, all my kids were at school. And then something really strange happened for us. This is quite personal, but my husband and I had made a financial investment that mm. went really bad. Yep. And I and and we lost a lot of money. Mm. And I remember it was January, and I realised I'm going to need full time work. Wow. And I rang the then head of secondary, and I said, "Hey, listen, I was in tears. I said I'm going to need more work." And um, he said, "I'm really sorry, but we've um, just allocated out all of our positions for the year ahead. There's nothing left." So. I had a sleepless night and I woke up at about 3am that morning and went, I'm just going to have a look online what's available. And I found this little job at Tangara School for Girls, a Catholic girls school, and I applied. And um, when I rang the deputy principal at that time, I said, listen, I'm, um, she, was, she accepted my interview and she gave me the position, but I said, look, I'm going to need to maintain my work at Norwest, my yeah. part-time work at Norwest, alongside part-time work at Tangara. If you, and she said, wow. no problem. And she rewrote the timetable for me to stay there. And so for 12 months, I was working more than full-time. And um, then at the end of that 12 months, both schools said to me, hey, would you like a full-time position at our school? So both Norwest and Tangara. Yep. I prayed and prayed over this decision because I really, really loved Norwest. Mm. Um, and I really had a heart particularly for secondary and secondary girls. And there was just nothing available at that time in Norwest development or no p suitable position except for, you know, I could have stayed on as head of department. So I made a decision to go to Tangara and I was there for four years. Mm. But every year that I was there, I got offered a new sort of leadership role. And I, I didn't understand why God had taken me out of Norwest because I loved it so, so much. Just felt a real sense of connection to the community. Every year I got offered a new leadership role. One time I was doing IT coordination over K to 12. <laughs> I am not experienced in IT. It's the worst job you could possibly give me, but I was doing that. I was head of music, creative, creative arts, drama. That all happened quite quickly. And then I got girls' welfare, 10 to 12. So looking after year 10 to year 12 girls at that school. Um, we were in America for a, a holiday, family holiday. Great place which, to go. Uh, which somebody had gifted me for my 40th birthday. Um, said, take the kids to Disneyland and... Um, so we did that. And I woke up one morning and felt a real sense that God was saying it's time to move on from Tangara. And I spent the next 12 months applying for all sorts of jobs, head of secondary, everywhere. I mean everywhere. And with not much success. And then I did get an interview at a local Christian school around this area, got to the second round, but wasn't successful. And the principal rang me to tell me I wasn't successful. It was a Thursday night. And he said, I'm just telling you you're not successful, but I really think you should have a look at the role at Norwest Christian College for deputy principal. I think you should take a look at that role. And I just, I said, oh, well, thanks very much. <laughs> hung up. And at that time, Ian Maynard had been my referee for all of the jobs that I was going for. So I rang him and I tearfully said, I didn't get the job. Mm. And um, what do you think? And, he, and I said, and the principal said this. He said, I should apply for the role. Um, I knew the role was there, but I just didn't think that I was the right person for that role. I didn't mm. think that was where God was leading me. And he said, well, I have been wondering why you haven't applied. Oh. And so the applications were due the following Monday. So I spent the whole weekend writing my... CV up and applying for that role 
got an interview and the day after the interview, there were other applicants, the day after the interview they rang me and said, you've got the job as deputy. Wow. So that's how I ended back at Norwest and um, about 18 months later Ian said to me, um, you know, I'm thinking that now might be the time for me to move on. It'd be great for you to apply for this role and the board encouraged me to apply too but um, interviewed several candidates, but I ended up getting the position. The really beautiful part of the story is that my office that I currently work from is where I did my final prac. (laughs) And that's why I started the story there, (laughs) because that's where I did my final prac. It was a music room. And I think that's amazing that God's brought me back there. He's taken me away, like when he took me away to Tangara. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the choice I was making. And I really felt conflicted leaving Norwest. I could have only had that development at Tangara at that time. It was a fast track um, to deputy and um, God was really good in giving me that opportunity even though maybe I went kicking and screaming. Um, yeah. And that's a long answer <laughs> to a really short question. It's a cool story. And I love, that, love how it went full circle. Mariah will cut it down to about 30 seconds. <laughs> will she? Oh, <laughs> I'll have words with her. <laughs> you said back then the school had around 500 kids. Mm. What size is it these days? So total enrolments, including early learning and our special school, NARA, uh, 1,300. Wow. Yeah, and NARA's only just started within the, what, 12, within the last 12 months? Yeah, yeah, January 23, we opened two classes of eight students, so six total of 16 students. Um, this year, we've got three classes and 24 students. And this is a concept that I had, this is unfamiliar for me, obviously, but I'm not in this education space, but you started a school within a school. Was that, how would you class NARA? Like what's mm. NARA's relationship to Norwest? And can you give us a bit of the backstory to that? Yeah, we, we say it's two schools, one learning community. So NARA was born out of, uh, well, a little bit about my family. I'm one of five children. I'm number four. My brother, number who's number three, Um, He passed away at the end of last year, um, but he contracted encephalitis when he was five. Mm. And then from then on, um, his disability only progressed. Um, When he was five, my parents were obviously looking for a school for him and couldn't find a suitable option, wanted a Christian schooling experience for him and wanted an environment where there was, it was inclusive of kids that function well in a mainstream environment, as well as kids that need additional support, um, that they would come together because that benefits both. So I, I watched my parents pioneer what was then what is Pacific Hills Christian School now. So they commenced Pacific Hills wow. Christian School, and um, that had an environment for kids with special needs. Um, when I went for the job at Norwest, I said, "Listen, if if I'm a if I'm successful as principal, this is a dream of mine. I'd really love to start something like this. Plenty of schools are doing it, um, mm. but Norwest wasn't in on that yet, and it really meets a need for families." Yeah. Well, I happen to know a few uh, families who, mm. uh, with children in NARA, and I've only heard great things. Yeah. And so that's fantastic. Can you tell us, what does a principal do? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like it's like a pastor, right? They know who the pastor is, you know who the principal is, but like, what do they do? Yeah, I... Yeah, it's a strange role description to write. Like today I was at the swimming carnival, um, but first I had to go home and get my sneakers because I'd forgotten that it was a swimming <laughs> carnival. I was then, you know, an hour later I'm writing a board paper on, you know, what are we going to do with this new property that we've just bought and how are we going to develop that and 
how will that be supported? And then, then you're having a conversation about, oh, there's a photo of our school students up on um, some other s- website. <laughs> Have oh. they asked for permission? Oh, no. Um, then I'm having conversations about employees and, you know, those who are, like, unwell or something for a sustained period of time. I don't know. You c- it, anything can happen any day. Schools are very messy environments, mm. you know, mm. and rightly so because you're dealing with a whole lot of factors emotional factors, social factors, political factors, it all converges at school. <laughs> Can I just say, it's so refreshing to hear you say that. School mm-hmm. is a messy environment. I wish, Arden, we could say that about the church. The church is a messy environment because mm-hmm. it is, right? Like we, yeah. you know, it's a community of people who, mm-hmm. who come in and they, you know, we're all fallen, we're all broken, mm-hmm. we're all sinners. We we all come to taste of this grace that, that God's mm-hmm. given to us. and But sometimes we often just, beat our heads against the wall because we're trying to deny the reality that church is messy. So even just to hear you say that so easily, just to say, yeah, school is a messy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the new development. Mm-hmm. You, the school's bought land, is it in Box Hill? Box Hill, yep. 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 So what, what is the plan there? What's, what, what, what's the big vision? It's an evolving plan, but the vision is really to, um, in our mainstream environment at Riverston, K-12 environment, we're at about 1150 students. Um, the board has um, made an agreement or a decision to probably cap that around 1250, have a three-stream primary school environment, five-stream secondary. Um, we think that that's, that's a good point for us just to stop and have a breath mm. for a little while, and it helps us to give lots of opportunity to students without compromising community as much as possible. We think we can maintain some good processes that help us to deliver on why people choose us anyway, which is about, you're going to know my child. You know, and, and they're going to be part of something. Um, and so the vision for the new property is let's just duplicate what we have at the Riverston campus somewhere else because we've got really long wait lists um, and the school's got a great reputation in terms of delivering on community and personalised mm. education. Um, and so we want to we see what else God would have, you know, speak into the lives of another potentially 1,200 students without compromising what's happening already at Riverston. Yeah, okay. that's the vision. Yep. So, so, yeah. so it'll be K-12 as well? Most likely, K-12 yep. environment yep. Um, and, you know, managed with a different leadership team but the same vision. So d- still delivering Building Purposeful Lives, our teaching and learning or framework for life, that same vision, um, the whole child and growing them in faith, virtue, wisdom and service and probably an, an early learning centre as well and also some sort of alternative education environment, whether that's another NARA or something for students that are just disengaged and disconnected from school environments, but is, is sort of small and very supportive of um, high wellbeing needs. Yep. Mm. Your faith has come up a few times in this conversation. Yeah. One question that we like to ask people who come to this interview mm. is... Um, Can you sing for us? <laughs> I could, but I don't feel like it right now. <laughs> Just pretend this is the primary classroom <laughs> where it all began. Uh, no, um, I'd love to hear, how did you come to know the Lord? How, how you know, was there a moment where Jesus became real to you? Um, and how, yeah, how does your faith impact what you do on a day-to-day basis? I, I shared my testimony with briefly with the PNF last night. That was a great opportunity to do that. So mm. briefly... I come from a, a home of parents that loved Jesus and showed me what he was all about and served him faithfully for the whole of their lives. Um, I remember a moment when I was five, standing on the pathway to my nan's house 
and just saying to my mum, you know, how do you ask Jesus into your heart? So I must have, you know, have had some sort of input at that stage that that's a process that you should go through, right, so that you, you go to heaven. Mm. So that was probably my understanding and I, I did that and prayed that prayer. But I, I remember points in my life at 13, 17, 30, where really points where you Jesus becomes even realer mm. to you. Um, the point at 30 was, you know, I'd had four children in six years and I think I, I remember being on my knees beside my bed just totally frustrated at myself going, I don't know, I'm not doing this and I can't do it and I'm trying to do it under my own strength and I know I can't. So it, I think, you know, knowing Jesus is, is is a daily process, knowing him more and more, giving your life over to him. Yeah, and even more since having this role, you know, just asking him what's next. I, I've learnt more about dependency in the last five years as principal than I ever have dependency on Christ. Um and you become, my mum's now 84, and she said to me, you know, Felicity, I appreciate my salvation more and more every day. She said, I'm just so thankful to God that he chose me. And that was a real challenge to me that I hope that I have that perspective. The older I get, I become more aware of my, even more and more aware of my need for salvation, yeah, and how much Jesus has done. You would have students coming from from all different backgrounds, from all different places, from all different cultures. Is there a tension that, that kind of becomes, is like a tension in a flow, I suppose, hard to describe, between the school being missional mm. but also discipling for those existing Christian students? Yeah, sure, there is. In terms of missional, that's a firm commitment from the board that we are a missional. So we're open enrolment um, and that, that's something I hope we will always be. So being really clear with prospective um, parents is the starting point. And I say to parents, a really good outcome for us would be that your child gives their life to Jesus. And how would you feel about that if they came home and they said, I'm going to be a Christian? Most parents are very accommodating of that. That's no issue for them. Maybe they don't understand the full implications of what we mean when we say that. But I'm becoming increasingly conscious of discipling students and what that means. So last year, you know, I put this really complicated name to a very simple process. We called it a spiritual formation audit. (laughs) And I just, um, we took a look at where are those messages, where are we actually spiritually forming young people. And I, I think if you think of spiritual formation as it's actually part of the process of coming to know Christ, but it's just a process that continues into discipleship, Mm. that that makes that that flow a bit easier and managing that tension. Um, so I, th- I see in my staff increasingly more and more a boldness to speak directly to managing that tension. Okay, if you know Jesus Christ, what I'm saying here right now, you need to consider it. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to, you know, now may be a time for you to consider where you are at with him. So being able to hold those two things yep. in place. yeah. Because I imagine the... Because the legal landscape has probably changed somewhat over yeah, the years too, hasn't true. it? Yeah, um, but th- there's nothing to prevent us doing that at this stage. Yeah. So um, my my position is let's we call ourselves a Christian school. Let's do yeah. that really, really well. Um, form young people spiritually, and um, I I see like we're just seeing at the end of 2022, um, there was about 30 kids that we knew of that had given their lives to Jesus Christ that that we knew of. Yeah. 
And that's really exciting. And, you know, to be told on the first day this year, hey, guess what? Um, Your college captain decided to get himself baptised during the holiday. Now, I knew he had a personal relationship with Jesus, but he'd just taken it to that next level. Like, um, you know, those sorts of things like that uh, and him share that with his whole year 12 cohort, you know, is really exciting. You know, another year 10 student started a Bible study and had 40 kids coming along. This was separate to the lunchtime group. Um, Kids wanting to do mission. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So that those things are really exciting. Yeah. So let's just keep doing those things. <laughs> so I have two questions, two more questions. I don't know if both of these will make the cut. But um, I guess the theme around them would be the challenges. Um, so, so one question I have is, what is difficult about your role that, that most people might not understand? Hmm. Um, and while you're thinking about that, I'll just state my other one, which is, um, and I'll liken it to a sports analogy. So I'm a huge sports fan. And at the end of the year, the team, you know, your favorite player might switch teams. He has a different contract and he goes to a different, you know, he goes mm-hmm. to a different club. And I watch the, the, <laughs> the Christian school professionals. I watched them bounce around from like team to team. And I'm like, Whoa, this is crazy. I can't keep up. <laughs> um, um, and so I'm curious how that is for you and right. how do you build a, how do you build a sense of identity and team? This may be a leadership question. Mm-hmm. How do you build a sense of identity and team in in a in a competitive market environment if you will particularly in sydney where you know christian schools are in demand and the christian teachers are in demand and Mm. um you know how do you just go about this it feels like a puzzle every year Mm. that that needs to get Mm. resolved so those are my two questions you could take one or both or none but i'll take both sure um and you may need to remind me about the second question in a minute challenges um so start with the challenges question i think that people may not see they may not see me very often as a person i think that's the hardest thing and like i'm my personality is naturally very relational and so one of the challenges that i'm finding and this i think this is true mostly for other principles maybe particularly for me just because the way I'm wired. You know, most principals invest themselves. It's not just a job. And, and, and for you to survive, it has to be a very personal, deeply personal investment. You love the students. You love the staff members. And so when things aren't going well for families, like you actually grieve that. When criticism is presented to you in a way that's... Um, derogatory of you I'm not sure that people realize that they're doing that but it but you know because they feel like they're just speaking about the school they don't realize that there's actually that there's a person behind the school making those decisions who is a person um so that that's sometimes a challenge that I I have to wade carefully and balance off and that's a little bit about me not finding my identity in what I do I realize that yes so that's on me it's also on parents to just be careful that their base assumption should be no I'm pretty sure this person really cares about what's happening here so I need to just wade into this conversation really carefully and and acknowledge yes schools are messy places things go wrong but Mm. but this person's yeah can with with you know a good conversation we can probably nut this out Mm. and get it sorted over time So that's that's one of the challenges, and um, I think most teachers in Christian schools would feel that at some level, yeah, mm. in in working with 
you know, parents and when, when things don't always go right. Yeah. 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 I think there's sometimes an, an expectation, you're a Christian school, you guys should get this right. <laughs> I'm still a fallen human being. <laughs> I don't know everything, unlike God. <laughs> that's right, yeah. that's right. No, I can really relate to what you're saying, and, and to me it feels like a challenge of leadership and yeah. you know across many institutions and the loneliness that comes with it. But it's good to hear, and I, I mean, it's just, again, freeing and refreshing to hear somebody say, yeah, just, just remember that the, the person who's waded into the waters of responsibility mm. is still a person mm. and is still um you know you know those things um everything gets weighed you know it's not it's not a cold mm. it's not just a cold system a cold mm. clinical you know mm. institution so I, I appreciate that uh, my second question if you want to answer it was how do you deal with the shifting of personnel they're big mm. institutions there's a lot of christian schools in sydney how do you deal with the the ever-changing sort of musical chair uh, puzzle piece challenge of growing a school, but finding Christian teachers being committed to them. Um, that's just my perspective as a parent, but uh, I'm curious what it looks like from your seat. Well, it is a challenge across schools, whether you're independent or in the public sector, the teacher shortage. It hits harder in Christian independent schools because, you know, your pool gets smaller and smaller. That So it has is a challenge um fundamentally my view is and i think this is a, a correct view is that all teachers are god's appointments so he will meet the need where we need to meet a need um and we've been very fortunate that lots of um that we've had all the applicants that we need um in terms of maintaining and retain and retaining staff there are three words that i think sum up what i think is important in leadership um to help you know, teachers have real clarity about what they do because I said before that schools are messy places. So there are three things that I focus on. Direction, providing direction for my staff, protection for them and order. Now, I know that sounds very military-like, but if I can do those things well, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust. And then when I articulate the vision, then if there's already trust, if I've already provided direction, protection, order, people will come along. And um, so that, that's my view of, you know, keeping people engaged. I, I do spend a lot of time restating this is what we're committed to people and getting processes right so that people feel safe and feel like they've got an environment to be innovative but they know the direction, you know. Um, so clarity is a big focus for me. And I think when people buy into that, when they sense, yeah, this place knows what's happening, I know where I fit, I know what I'm doing, I know why I'm doing it, and I know where I fit in. If they can answer those three questions, um, then they're much more likely to, to stay engaged. So, um, yeah. Discrimination was also a bit of like a, a political hot potato there for a while as well. Uh -huh. Are there restrictions on like who you're, who you're allowed to employ or... Um at the reverse, like who who you wouldn't employ because of their faith background and that kind of thing. How how does how, how do institution Christian institutions control who they employ? So at the moment, New South Wales is the only state that is allowed to employ according to your your statement of faith or statement of belief. So we can make that public, and we can employ teachers that are able to adhere to that 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 position. 
that may change. Mm. I mean, it's um, in the last three years, it went from six times before the Human Rights Commission to 13 times, you know, so- something like that. So, um, you know, it's escalating the pressure for that to change. Yes. But at the moment, that's okay. Um, yeah. So, so in employment, we do search out things like, um, you know, tell me your understanding of how you came to know Jesus. I, I try to hear their testimony. We've also got some screening questions. Um, how are you serving at your church? I don't just ask where are you attending. I, you know, I try to get a feel for is this a real personal commitment? And then I always ask this other question: What are you wrestling with God about at the moment? Because yeah. um, I, I just I think that kind of reveals like is this a relationship that's you yeah, know, yeah. something that's ongoing and authentic and that you 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 do wrestle with God about stuff, you know, you question him, <laughs> you dialogue with him, yeah. Um, so asking that is also another way that we kind of gauge that. Mm. Shifting briefly, what is something you love about your church? My church? Yeah. At the moment, something I'm really loving is seeing the next generation coming on. That's really, really exciting. So, I mean, my kids are all at a stage of life, you know, with their boyfriends, getting married, girlfriends, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So it's exciting seeing them owning their faith and choosing people who love God as well and want to serve serve God in mm. their church communities. Mm. Um, but not just them. There's a couple of other families that have that happening for them at the same time. So... Um, we've been at our church for 28 years. Um, my husband's been there longer, so we've been married for 28 years, so I joined him when we got married. It's a long-term commitment. Yeah. yeah. Not mm. many people these days stay <laughs> at the one church. I think we'll be there for our lifetime. My parents have certainly been at their church for their lifetime. Mm. Um, so I think that's just something that we've had modelled to us. And But it's exciting to see others go, yeah, I want to contribute. Yeah, I see that God's at work and I, I want to trust him with the whole of my life and help others to trust him. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Felicity, for, for joining us. Thanks Been for having me. great getting some insight into the world of a Christian school principal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't – when I think of you, Felicity, I think of dignity, class, grace under pressure, and, you know, there's no – no one I talk to who has a bad thing to say about Felicity Marlowe. So <laughs> I think, and I'm not just saying that because you're the principal of my kids, but <laughs> again, it sounds self-serving, but, but few, no. Few A's coming your way. Let's put it <laughs> they don't do A's over here. Get all these other letters. Um, we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> Jonathan trying to understand the Australian school system. But, um, but no, I think for me, when I ask myself, you know, what's different about this for my kids? And this is a credit to you, and I think it's a credit to to the whole institution and a credit to Norwest. What I love about this school is you look at the child and you value them and you say, let me help you find your purpose. Mm. And that to me is so empowering and that's what I want for my children. Mm. So often, the school has already defined what they believe the purpose of a child or the purpose of a life is. Mm. And they then try to shape everyone into that mold. Mm. So I just think there's a great humility and dignity and a recognition of the image of God in people to say, we're not going to identify that straight away, but we're going to walk alongside you and we're going to say, let's discover with you. Let's Mm. give you tools. Um, And so I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And I think that's something that, that, 
is a consistent message from the top down. Um, and so yeah, all I can say is thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Felicity Marler from Norwest Christian College. What a lovely, articulate, um, just example of what it means to integrate faith into work. And uh, to me, it was really cool to hear uh, someone with a lot of a leadership responsibility who's accountable to a lot of people and accountable to a lot of a lot of the community. Someone saying, "I pray about these decisions, and ultimately, I ask the Lord, and I trust the Lord to to provide the answers." That to me is. Um, that's that's a hallmark of the humility that needs to be seen in the leadership position. Yeah, yeah, a lot on her plate, and I imagine being pulled from a lot of different directions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, another amazing episode, I reckon. Yeah, we got some... I think we got the mayor next week. Wow. We keep teasing the mayor. We also got another principal coming on. All right, he's got them lining up. Lining up, take a number. <laughs> this week at Windsor, we'll do it all again soon. <laughs>